Henry and I met in junior high. Didn't start dating till high school, and we got married on August 7th, 1976. We were both 21. Henry and I lived in California all of our lives, and we moved here in 2017 because my daughter's husband took a position at Joel Concrete in Waco, Texas. They left. Our sons were in North Carolina. We were the only ones left in California, and I looked at him and I said, there's no reason why we can't quit our jobs, sell the house, and move. So we were living here a couple years go by, and the house next door went up for sale. And all we were told was that a couple bought it who came from Paris, Texas. So one day I was looking out in the backyard and Deborah was doing something out in the backyard and I introduced myself to her. And I think Brett came around then and so we met over the fence because it was right in the middle of COVID. Didn't find out till later that he was a pastor. He started sharing with us why he moved here and started telling us about Wellspring and asked us if we would like to join. We just felt right at home and comfortable with everybody there. And I mean, it was a small group, but it was, it was great. We started sharing with the pastors about our family and really wanted Devin and Sarah to start coming to church with the kids. And so early on, they were just praying for a salvation for Devin and the kids. We celebrated our 45th anniversary in summer of 2021. And we went to eat, and two weeks later, we both came down sick, and we got COVID. So we stayed home and um, told the kids, didn't want them to come over because we didn't want them to get sick. But September 5th, that was a really bad day. My daughter called and said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to talk to dad and he's not answering me. She said, mom, hang up the phone right now, unlock the door, I'm gonna call the ambulance because that's, that, that something's not right. We were both taken to the hospital that day on two separate am ambulances, and he didn't make it out. He passed away on September 16th from a massive um, stroke to, massive stroke to the left side of his brain, and then another one four days later, a bleeding stroke to the right side of his brain. God was really with me in that, in that season. Matt came over and he prayed with me and Brent came over. And it, it was a very difficult time. And especially just when I got out of the, I got out of the hospital on September 12th and I was really, really weak. It was, it was a very trying time. But I knew that we were in the place we were supposed to be because of all the love that I felt from everybody at church. After Henry's death, we just were praying very hard for Devin, and he just, he just finally realized that he needed Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, and he accepted him. And then shortly after that, Logan did his son, and then Paige did his youngest daughter. I'm just so happy, and I know Henry would be very happy to know that this all happened after he passed away. I miss my husband terribly, but I know I have hope because Jesus came for us all. He was born, he died for our sins, and all you have to do is accept it 
and I know I'll see him again in eternity. And that's just, that's what I look forward to. Well, I'm honored today uh, to have uh, the, the Price family along with Bonnie already sharing their story of what Christ has done. And at this time, uh, Devin's going to read uh, some scripture for us and they're going to light our Christ candle. All right, we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, 22, and 23. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All, all of this will occur to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to the son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Let's pray together. So God, we thank you for a moment to gather together as your people and to worship you. Um, I thank you for Vani um, sharing probably one of the hardest things she's ever gone through in her life so that it could be a testimony of your faithfulness and your goodness that we could see into. Um, and so God, we just give you this time. Uh, we are so thankful for a time to come and celebrate Christmas. And we're thankful as a time to gather as family and friends and be in the church together in unity. But uh, we also ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds this, this evening. And so it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, we are so glad that you're here uh, this afternoon. Um, I'm thankful for a break in between this video. I've seen that thing about seven times now. And every single time uh, I tear up and I get a little bit emotional because it's, it's pretty raw. Um, it's pretty sobering, but also there's this a massive amount of joy and, and peace and hope that is found in Jesus. <laughs> uh, this family has experienced transformation, and they want to be able to give their testimony of what that looks like. Man, I love Christmas. Like, I, I can think back. I had a, uh, my grandparents lived on this, like, handmade. My granddad made it himself, a uh, little house on a lake. And it was my favorite thing to do was go spend the week, have Christmas, go fishing, see my cousins. Like, man, this is a good and right, good thing that the Lord has provided for us, that we get to gather together with friends. We get to gather together as family. We get to give one another. Like, I love giving presents. We opened our presents this morning uh, because I'm a pastor, and we have the most messed up Christmas schedule of anybody. Uh, and so we were like, hey, let's do Christmas this morning. It was amazing to see my kids do that. And I love, I love opening presents. I'm going to be real. Like, I like getting presents. There's something beautiful about what this time means. But what's amazing to me is even coming up to the church to get ready for this service, I was throwing away the boxes from our Christmas stuff, and I was throwing in this dumpster. Don't tell the school. I think I'm allowed to do that. I'm not sure. But I was throwing stuff in the dumpster, and one of them I, like, shook, and there were still presents in the boxes that we were about to throw away. I was like, holy cow, like, we hadn't even made it out of the house. We're already about to throw away stuff. And I, I think about how eventually, like, every present, every gift we get, like, it's going to lose its luster. It's going to lose its shine. Some of our best moments, our best memories, like, they're, they're still just kind of hazy for me. Like, I think back as a kid at my favorite Christmas mo moments, and they're just little flashes and blurbs. And then you see a video like this, and you're like, man, what, what really matters? Like, in the end, what matters for you and I? The things we're doing now are good and they're right and you, you need to celebrate and be together and enjoy this time. But there's something so much greater for us that we're celebrating today. Man, when we talk about Jesus and we light this candle as a symbol of him coming, his advent, his arrival, it is a reminder that he has given something that will never fade. 
that will never lose its luster, that will never stop losing its, its shining. In fact, even as a pastor, right, I'm like, all right, it's Christmas Eve. This is like the Super Bowl of, Christmas, or of, of church. Y'all just need to know that, right? You got to come in with your best sermon. And, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had some new twist on the Christmas story to give you. I wish there was some golden nugget that I could give you and you could walk away with and be like, that was incredible. But the reality is the story of Christ coming, the good news of the gospel, his love for you and I, it doesn't need me to like spruce it up. It doesn't need me to add some shininess to it. Like it's the greatest story ever told. It's the only place where you can see someone like Vani with legit hope in her eyes talking about that there's a future. Will she be reunited with her husband? Like there's no other story. There's no other thing that's going to make us give us a place where it's like, man, when I shut my eyes to this world, I have something greater ahead. And it's only Christ. And so we don't need to make this a better story. In fact, we just need to remind ourselves of how good of a story this is. And so this, this evening, just for a moment, I want to look at just a few of the places in Scripture where it talks about Jesus coming, his birth. And I want to see, man, what is Scripture trying to teach you and I that all this is about? What is it trying to remind us of? What are the authors of the Scripture trying to tell us, hey, this is what you need to leave home with? And so if you will, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Each of these are going to be areas that you've heard on Christmas, but I hope that we focus in on a few phrases that give us some just refreshed, renewed hope in what Christ has done for us. Also, if you don't have a Bible, we have paper ones at the back. would love for you to have that as a gift to you this evening. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. It's going to sound familiar, but there's a few things I want us to hone in on this evening. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. We've heard this story, right? The beautiful story of baby Jesus coming into the world. There's a a census being taken. Uh, Joseph has to go back to his hometown. He's of the lineage of David. They're in Bethlehem. Jesus is born. There's no room. He's in the manger. All the things. But some of the most amazing things to me is like all of this part of the Bible leading up to that moment is telling a story that there will be a savior that will come, that will be born in Bethlehem. And all of these prophecies of what he would do and how he would be born are being fulfilled in this moment. Like this is the crescendo of everything that God has done in human history. And I get really excited about the next section when the angels show up to the shepherd. I want us to see this and I want you to pay close attention to what are the angels saying is going on. Verse eight. And in the same region, there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord." 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there, will be with the, uh, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. There are a few things that just happened that hopefully we can kind of zero in on. The first is this, that these angels show up to shepherds. Like these are kind of the outcasts, these are the nobodies, these are the common man that no one really looks at with much, like there's no prestige being a shepherd and yet God comes to, to um, marvelously reveal that Christ the Savior has come and he picked the nobodies. Like I love this, man. I love that God is always coming to the lowly to the ones in needs, to the downtrodden, to the outcast, he's going, I have come for you as well. And so they make this decoration, and what do we see? We see that the glory of the Lord shone around them. This is the manifest presence of God. What that means is the presence of God showed up with these regular shepherds in their ordinary day, and all of a sudden, the brightness of the light of the glory of God penetrates the darkness, and what does it say happened to them? They're afraid. Like, think about it. Like, like let's be real. If this, is, if this is real life, if this is a historical story that has happened, the glory of God shows up at your house, we're all feeling a little bit of fear. Like, if the glory of God is shining, I'm going, man, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. This has gone all the way back to the garden. Think about when Adam and Eve, when they ate the fruit, they realized they're naked, they hid when they heard the Lord coming, and God said, why are you hiding? And what did they say? They said, man, we were afraid that you would see us. There is something that has happened in our sin that we know God is holy, he is righteous, he is above us, and there's just something innately in us that goes, I'm not worthy. And when you see the presence of God, we are filled with a little bit of like, I'm not supposed to be in your presence. And yet, what do the angels say? Something is about to completely change about this dynamic. They say, fear not. For behold, I bring you Good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord is born. You know what I love? Like we, we're in this room and there's a lot of people in this room and most of y'all may know each other. Some of you may go, I don't know if I know each other. And we're going, man, God loves you. Like this, is a, this kind of blast of a statement. God loves you. He cares for you. He sent Christ for you. But one of the things that the angels say to the shepherd is they, they do say, hey, look, this is great joy for all people. That's you and I. But what do they also say? I bring you good news. Man, I love the fact that God is a personal God. Like we sit in this room and each of us carries all kinds of stuff with us. I have no idea what you brought into this room today, but I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that God is a personal God that knows you. Like he knows your thoughts, your hearts, your needs, your hurts. He's going, this was good news for you. It wasn't just good news for all people. It's for us. It's for me. He's a personal God. And then I love that he says that uh, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Did you know Christ is not Jesus' last name? <laughs> we like to say Jesus Christ. It's not his last name, all right? It's got a meaning to it. Christ means Messiah or Savior or the one that was going to come. This, this was the one that was confessed and professed for hundreds of thousands of years. And he's shown up and the angels go, man, you don't have to fear anymore because Christ has come to save you. I know you're, you're feeling the dread of being in the presence of God, but you don't have to be fearful anymore. I've got good news for you. And he goes on and he says this. He says, and this will be a sign for you. 
the baby wrapped swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with him an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Like, let's get one thing straight. Like all of this, Christmas Eve, everything that God has done, we're secondary in that story. He is primary. Like the angels are going, this is all about God. Like this was for him to come and show you and I who he is and how he responds to you and I. His great love and mercy and grace is for his glory alone. And then there's a phrase at the end of this church that is incredibly important for you and I to figure out this evening. It says, and on the earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This good news that the angels brought was that there was joy and peace that would come to a specific type of person. And that person was the one in whom God is pleased. And so the question that you and I are, are need to kind of rally around and go, man, I need to figure the answer out, is how do we know that God, this holy God, is pleased with you and I? Because that is where peace is found. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. That's saying, look, Adam and the garden and Eve, they sinned. There was a fracture. There was a dividing wall between us and the Lord. And it's saying since that day, that has continued to perpetuate in you and I, right? As, as that came into one man, death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So as we currently sit in our, in our own state, like God isn't pleased with us yet. And so we're going, man, if this is the, the gift of Christmas, if this is the thing that we're celebrating, how do we know that God is pleased? I want peace with God. And so what God did in the garden with Adam is he showed his kindness and his mercy even then. Do you remember what happened? They sewed up fig leaves for themselves because they were naked. And the Lord's like, what are y'all doing? He ends up getting an animal and he, and he sacrifices the animal. He uses the skin to give them proper clothing. There were still consequences to their actions, but he's like, man, I still love you. I still have purpose for you and I'm gonna provide covering for you. And he's doing the same thing for you and I on a huge scale in Jesus. And so I want you, if you will, let's turn to Matthew 1. This is Matthew's account of the same story, I just wanna look at a little piece of it because this is how he has come. This is what he's supposed to be about. If you've been at our church for a while, we went through Genesis. And in that moment where God clothes Adam and Eve and he sends them out, he, he gives this promise. Like what was broken in this moment, he was gonna repair. What he was gonna do is he was gonna send this wounded victor. Like the enemy was going to strike at the heel of this, of this wounded victor. He would suffer some type of blow, but in the end he was going to come back and he was gonna defeat the enemy and he was gonna make everything right. He is this wounded victor that has given us freedom and made things right. And look what Matthew says about this serpent crusher. Matthew 1, verse 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother married had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, probably like most of us would do, right? And that would be a little weird. And yet the, the Spirit comes and says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And what's he going to do? Save his people 
from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet 700 years prior. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And how has God planned out that that the enemy would be crushed, his head would be crushed by this wounded victor? It was Jesus coming in human form, conceived of a virgin. This is important, church. Like, I I want you to think about this. Like, we're going to look at some scripture in a moment that tells us you and I can relate with Jesus. Sometimes he may feel like he's a thousand miles away. But what scripture's teaching is he came as a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God so that he could fulfill what needed to happen in order for us to have right relationship with God. He knows what it means to bleed. (laughs) He knows what it means to, to lose. He knows what it means to suffer. He knows what it means to be joyous and glad. Like this is our savior and he came to take away our sin. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He cares for us. And so we continue on. I'll just have this one on the screen. John 1. Here's what John says about this serpent crusher. John 1, 14 through 18. And the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and it dwelt among us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And we have seen his glory as the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John, that's John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, this is he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. If you remember, Jesus comes to get baptized and John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. This is the, this is the Savior. And if you look at 16, it says, for, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, but he, Jesus, has made him known. And the same grace and love that God showed in the garden has, been, has come in the form of Jesus. And, and if I had to guess, there's probably some people in this room tonight even going, man, I, I've heard this story. Like, I'm aware of Jesus' story, but is this really for me? <laughs> Like, does he really care about me? Is he really able to free me from my sin? Am I really able to have peace that I I could go through something extremely scary and yet still go, man, there's something greater ahead? Is that really possible? And what Jesus is showing us, God is, is showing us in Christ that there's light bursting forth in the darkness. There's joy for all men. There's peace and hope for all men. Yes, Jesus is the one that has shown us even for you today. This can be had, like something that's unfading and never perishes. The one thing your soul longs for is found in Christ. And so the question is, how do we find it? How do we know that God is pleased with us that we might have peace? Galatians 4, 4 through 7, we have it on the screen. It tells us, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. What that means is Jesus is man like you and I. The Bible says he was tempted as you and I with everything this world will throw at you and did not fall into sin. That's how he can relate to us. Hebrews says we have a high priest that can can help us in our time of need because he can sympathize with who we are. I love that. Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, means that you could go today and you could begin to pray and you go, man, this is what's in my heart. 
This is what I feel. This is what, what I'm afraid of. This is what feels heavy. This is what I'm excited about. Anything. And he's going, man, I can relate to that because I've walked in the same dirt that you're walking in. And he's lavished on us grace upon grace. Why? To redeem, verse 5, those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I've got some friends, that, real close friends, that have, have gone through the adoption process. And I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures of salvation that we have in, in earthly form. Because what you've got, right, like my friends adopt this girl into their family. They already had four kids. And this girl was probably, at that time, six or seven. Her family kind of abandoned her. And, and in the end, really, she hasn't done anything to go, hey, I, I want to adopt you into my family. But you've got a husband and a wife going, man, we see a need. We see someone that's broken. We see someone that can't help themselves. And so we're going to bring them in. And they are going to inherit everything that's ours. They're going to inherit our last name. I remember sitting at the table when they first adopted her thinking, man, I wonder what the dynamic's like, right? You got an adopted kid and you got regular kids. How's all that work? And we sat down at dinner and I was amazed thinking, man, like she's just, she is now part of this family. She bears the last name. When my friends die, like they're leaving her half the stuff. Like she is a part of this family and there was nothing that she had done for that. They came in in love and grace and mercy and said, we choose you. Like I choose you. To be mine. And what scripture is teaching us is the moment that we put our faith in Christ, this is what transpires for you and I. Like he looks at you and he goes, you know what? There isn't anything you've done to deserve this. We are helpless. <laughs> and he comes and he goes, I'm gonna adopt you into my family through Jesus, what he did on the cross, so that you can inherit everything that's mine. You get a new last name. You get a new purpose. You get a new destiny. And it says that we become heirs with Christ. Like our older brother is Jesus. We've got his last name. If it was Christ, we'd all be rocking Christ, I guess. But he's our older brother, and we're inheriting what is ahead for him. This is what God has given us in Jesus. This is why it doesn't fade. This is why it doesn't perish. And so here's the question why. Like, why did God do all this? And you know the answer. And we talked about this as a church a few weeks ago, but we, we forget the depth of this. Like the purpose, he, he knew your name today. Like as you're sitting in this room, he goes, man, I've done this for you. I've sent Jesus for you. I've given hope and a new name and I've adopted you as a son or a daughter. And here's why it says he's done it. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us. Even when we were dead and our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and he's raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own do doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. If you've ever in your life gone, man, is this for me? And you go, man, I see how other people live. I don't know that I can, I can do that. I don't know if I can live like that. The scripture is teaching us that none of us deserved it. None of us had the works to go, God go, man, you're awesome. Like, I want you. Let's go. 
He's going, all of us were broken, all of us were dead in our sins. And he came in rich mercy and grace because he loves you. And he sent Christ and Christ goes to the cross and he bleeds on our behalf. And he says, it's for joy that I do this because I'm gonna redeem for me some brothers and sisters. I'm gonna bring some people into my family. Romans 8, 37 through 39. This is how we have hope, man. In the end, I watch this video of Vani and I go like, nothing else matters except hope. (laughs) Nothing else matters except when this thing's done and they put me in the ground like that I have hope. (laughs) My family has hope. And here's what Romans 8 says about hope. Knowing all these things, we who have put our faith in Jesus are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It isn't an everlasting love that never fades, never loses its luster, never loses its shine. And so to end this evening, I want to end with a Christmas verse that you've heard a thousand times. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Here's what it prophesied and said that this Jesus would come, and this is how we'd have peace with him. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor. It says he's given us his spirit that we can now cry out, Abba, Father. It lives in us to comfort us, to give us hope. When everything seems to be crumbling, like we still have something to hold on to because Jesus lives in us through his spirit. Mighty God, and some of us need to be reminded that the one that spoke all things into motion, the one that created all things, that holds all things in his hand, has given you direct access to him to be your father in Christ. And he says, I will care for you, and I will protect you, and I will hide you under my wings. He is the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. That means from everlasting to everlasting, there will be no end to what he has done in saving you. Like you will have hope past today. You will have hope when you close your eyes to this place in Jesus. And lastly, he is the Prince of Peace. That's what we started out with. How do we know that we have peace with God? How do we know that he's pleased in us? It's found only in Jesus. He brought Christ to this world so that we could find peace with him. This was the good news of great joy. And so here's what I think our response is today. Like there was a reason that these angels stood before these shepherds and they said, look, you don't have to be fearful anymore. Like death is about to lose its sting. This world is about to lose its sting and its power because the Messiah has come, the savior of the world. And he's gonna make right what was broken because of sin and he has come for you. And he will save you and he will forgive you of your sin and he will give you hope past today. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much that we can come and we can celebrate Christmas Eve and the advent, the arrival of Jesus. And man, God, as I think about every uh, man and woman and, and even kids in this room, God, there's so many great and exciting things ahead in the morning. You have blessed us and you've resourced us and you've given us so much. But in the end, God, we want the things that don't fade. We want to be centered up on you who is everlasting. And so for the believers in this room, 
I pray that the reminder of what you have done, what you have accomplished in their stead, would re- renew us and refresh us and set our gaze on, and, and our hearts on you. That it would refocus us on the things that matter most. That we would teach our kids something greater than just, hey, here, here, here's what some cool toys look like. We can go, man, we can teach you how to have hope when everything else fades away. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you came for us. And God, I do pray as we have a time of singing and candle lighting and all the things, God, pray for the person in this room that maybe has heard this story many times but has never experienced what it means to be yours. God, I pray that today in your, in your, in your power that you would stir them up to see their need for you and that you love them and you pursued them and that you can save them and give them hope. And so, God, we want to just give you this time. It's a time to worship you. You are the light of the world. You've come and brought light in the darkness. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.